So you're you're in day one of intermittent fasting. Yeah. Uh, so I stopped eating at seven o'clock last night, um, and I've literally no more food, no snacks, no diet soda or sugary stuff until like it was eleven o'clock. But by the time I cooked up some like an omelet, it was like half eleven. I was like, oh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> So that's all I've eaten from seven o'clock till now. I've only eaten that little omelet that I've done. And I've got some Huel coming as well. Have you heard of Huel? No. Huel. Like a, a vegan meal replacement shake where it's got like 30 grams of protein and loads of like nutrients and stuff all made from flax seeds and all stuff like that. Um, I figured that I could probably have a light meal when I break my fast, a meal replacement, because I've only got like a, I have a six I think it's a six hour window where I can eat. So I can eat with it between like uh, 11 o'clock and I've got to stop eating at seven. But I think I can't work it. I don't think it means I can just go stuff myself in pizzas, McDonald's and KFC. I think it's still got to be relatively healthy. Yeah, I think. Yeah, my my I do intermittent fasting anyway, just as just the normal thing for me. But it's not really because when I. When I hit like 38, my digestion started to sort of change. So, um, yeah, so I, I got to the point where I was like, right, my digestion slows down from about three in the afternoon. So if I have a big meal after three, I kind of feel full in the morning, like a bit like, ugh. So, so um, I'm a late night eater that I, I, I get hungry at night and that's where I do my snacking and crisps and things. So not yeah. being able to get crisps, watching some geeky stuff on Netflix, I was struggling. Yeah. Good for you though, not even necessarily the intermittent fasting, but like just cutting out all the crap that you might normally eat. Yeah, um, it's because I was worried. I I don't look really fat or anything, but according to the scales that measure all these different things, I've got a very high level of visceral fat. And visceral like, fat. Yeah, I Does was that like, mean it's like really offensive? Like it's angry yeah. at you all the time. <laughs> it's angry fat, but I was like, well, I can't see it, so. I ain't going to worry about that, but it's all the deep internal fat around all your organs and stuff. And I'm like, at one point it got to an obese level. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do something about that. Yeah. I like a quick fix. So intermittent <laughs> fasting sounds like a quick fix and I'm all over that. Do it. Do it. You want to try the, um, the like the five days without, with just water. Yeah. Although maybe not. I don't know if it's good for you. I've got no idea. I, I, I didn't. I thought about it, but the problem is because I go to the gym and I do a lot of other activities, karate and all that, I think I'd be struggling with that, like, for energy. Yeah. Yeah, I found probably day f just day four actually was, like, the hardest day. And then, and then yeah, I was going to do a seven-day water fast, and then, um, but when I got day five, I thought, oh, this stuff this, I'm I'm just sticking. I'm going to do five day. That's it. I'm happy with five yeah, days. It's too hard. Seven days. <laughs> you, days away. you should have just done it. When you're running around doing stuff for the kids and all that, it's like, it just becomes a bit much. And when the rest of the family are all eating nice food. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's looking at you really weird. Like, like you go, I don't know, you go to the pub or something. They're like, what do you want to eat? Do you want? And you're like, oh, nothing. I'm, I'm like, just on a water for like just it just doesn't compute in people's brains awesome. like no it was hard enough when I stopped drinking alcohol that um people just couldn't accept it like what huh 
and then they'd buy us a pint of lager anyway, and I'd be like, "What? I just told you I'm not drinking." <laughs> <laughs> Broad drinking? What's the matter with it? Yeah. <laughs> like what? It's like, you can see in the brain, it's like tss, 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 oh, something wrong here. <laughs> the things uh, you do. Uh, right. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Nerds Talk. I'm Steve. I'm Kevin. And and uh, this is the first time we're recording it, like video, like how we are now. This is weird. Normally, it's just on the phone, isn't it? It is. Um, and when you said about doing this on video, I realised how bare my actual room looks behind me. And as I've told you before, all the interesting stuff that I've got is is behind the computer and over there. But my computer won't. It's against the wall, so it used to be behind uh, you, though, didn't it's it? It's going on behind there. It's all interesting. So I thought, how can I make the background more interesting? So I got a TARDIS in, <laughs> and Lara Croft just standing Lara there. Croft, yeah, you got to have a Lara Croft. She normally sits in front of me, so I can look at her lovingly. Um, <laughs> yeah, and th- th- here's this is just this is my room with all my st- stuff. If you saw the rest of the room, you'd just see it. It's a big mess. Yeah, it's really interesting. You've got guitars, keyboards. Yeah. Got guitar, bass guitar. <laughs> and, yeah, the most interesting thing I've got really is, like, um, the acoustic guitar with all the strings pulled out because I'm going to – I have to shave bits of things down so the strings get closer to the, the neck. You're just making yourself sound too interesting compared oh, to me. Yeah, it's, it's really annoying. Like I'm, I'm trying to work out. Yeah, so this is the bottom of um, the guitar where the the strings kind of lie over the top of this, and before they go into the guitar, right, <clears throat> right, at the bottom of the strings, and um, and it's too high. So I was like, right, I'm gonna cut it down. Now that I've taken it all out, right, including like these little things that that kind of hold the um the strings in the bottom, I'm looking at this going. In my brain for like a split second thought, maybe I could use a grater. <laughs> and I thought, no, that's just stupid, right? Now then, then my brain was like, maybe a Stanley knife to cut it. And now I'm like, that's think... be an yeah. So I think um, sander, belt sander, that'll do it, won't it? And then you just shove it on. Do you really need to do it? I mean, surely if it's designed that way, it's, you've bought it that way. It's no. Meant... No, because my strings are too high off the neck. So when you're playing, there's a lot of sort of having to it, it, it makes playing a little bit more difficult. And um which is good if you're trying to sort of strengthen your fingers, but yeah, but then chords aren't gonna they they're not gonna play as good if you haven't got a real firm grip on every sort of string. So it's just yeah, I'm sure like professional players do this kind of thing, you know, but it's the first time I've had to do it. And I've had this, I've had that acoustic guitar for several years as well. And it's always got on my nerves. <laughs> Maybe in a future episode, you can play us a song. Yes. I'll do some chords. You'll realise how, um, how not great I really am. <laughs> I'm the kind, well, I'm the kind of person, right? I don't do, um, I haven't had lessons or anything, right? I've been playing, well, I got my first guitar when I was like 15, 14 or 15. And I've never learned anyone else's, oh, no. Um, I tell a lie, right? I did learn. All right, how... Brian Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I did learn how to play the um the beginning of uh Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. 
years ago. But that is literally it. So all I've ever done is played my own stuff, which means probably means I don't progress as well. I don't um I should be better because I've played for years, but then I don't practice enough either. So so when it comes time to record my own songs, I'm probably not doing myself much justice really. I, I should I should practice more. And um and I should learn other people's songs as well. I probably learned some great techniques that I'd, I've never known before. Mm. Yeah, well that's that's music. But what we're going to talk about today? We are going to talk about game books. Game books. I like game books. <laughs> so you're good at guitars. I'm good at game books. Well, I, I'm I'm going to show I'm going to show you mine if you show me yours. I can show you some of mine. You've probably got all of these as well, right? But I've got some other stuff as well to show you. And this is the beauty about doing recording this on video. So I have got... Yes, it's the wizard editions of Fighting <laughs> Fantasy. And then... <laughs> uh, oh, wow. City of Thieves. Tell me you've got Death Trap Dungeoning. Oh, oh which I've got... Iris of Doom is one of, House of Hell is one of my favourites. Uh, Creature of Hell, Death Trap Dungeon, yes. Citadel of Chaos, really difficult. Warlock on Firetop Mountain, which is the first one, classic. You can I tell got, you can tell the one you can really tell the one that I've played the most because <laughs> it's all bent up, and the rest of them. I, in fact, I don't even think I've got to Forest of Doom. So the original ish Warlock of Firetop Mountain, <clears throat> the Green Spines. Hold on. That's actually that's not the original. That's not the original picture they used. Um, yeah, the original picture. It's got like an old wizened old man on the cover, looking drained. It's scarier than that. I think they figured that the wizard old, the wizened old man, was scaring kids. Uh what you mean recently? Do you, th do you think this no, is no, a no, recent the, thing? Like, the very first. Warlock of Firetop Mountain was released in, in 1982. It had a, it didn't have like um, the big banner or anything on it. It was like a full page picture, and it had a similar one to that with the dragon coming out of a, uh, like a crystal. But he had a wizened old man that was literally like um, had a crystal thing. Then it, it it's totally sort of different looking, but they they changed it on the second edition. Because they were like, this is far too scary for kids. Yeah, but, but then you look at some of the internal art, some of these things, and I'm like, you've got maimed bodies and things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're not in colour. I think that's the key. Maybe, yeah. Kids can handle it if um, if the blood isn't red. So that's actually a really impressive collection. I haven't got any of the Wizard Edition fighting fantasy. Um and that looks like you've got the first or they they basically what happened, Puffin had the books originally, and they were the Greenspine editions. And then I think the wizard books, they bought them out and they reissued them in the edition that you've got there. And they've wizards no longer produce them. It's called Scholastic. So they're still being produced now, but it's um scholastic editions and they're slightly different. So this is like the new newest. Warlock of Firetop Mountain. They've completely changed it and yeah. made it a gold spine, which I it's too cartoony for me. Even the internal illustrations are just rubbish. So what, they, 
it's more like they've done some computer generated type stuff with it all right so they've um yeah it looks like they've made it more comic like i say i mean i i really like the i like the the art style of the originals because it's very dark pencil and yeah that that they are good so obviously the this range scholastic they've they've redone all of those books you've got there yeah that's much better art and now they've got like it's it's just it's not as good yeah it's kind of lost the atmosphere um there's, there's the same, they've redone they've redone those pictures like if you find your the first sort of page on Warlock of Fire Top Mountain, Ooh, it now looks like that, where the cave entrance. Okay, let's have a look. Let's compare. I'm dropping everything now. Okay. Right, so you've got... It'll be on like your first paragraph where you're about to enter the cave. Yeah. Oh, hold on, I'm just getting past the... Oh, okay, okay. Hmm, interesting this, actually. Very, very similar. The same sort of idea, but they've just redone it. I prefer the art that you've got there in the original. Yeah, I do actually. Okay, let's uh, let's try let's try a different one. Um, if you go, well, if you uh, the next art bit I've got on mine is uh, number nine. In fact, that's not a very good example, but uh, it's probably plain enough. I'll just wonder if you've if they've just replicated each image. I think they've just literally replicated the images, um, but they've sort of Different just changed styles. it slightly. What paragraph is that? Nine. I don't have an image of a paragraph nine. Uh, maybe it's not good enough. They've looked at that one and went, yeah, that's not really. They Maybe it's just the monsters and stuff. They've. Um... Oh, I mean the... What about this? So this is uh, 34. <laughs> oh. Oh no, that's a very famous image. They've got to have kept that one in here. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, they so uh, yeah, this this is much better. Yeah. Much I think better. there's something it's like they've just copied the image, but they the artists aren't as good. I mean, you had some classic artists back in the time. John Blanche did a lot of the illustrations for it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet you the biggest differences will be in House of Hell. I mean, look at the original cover of the House of Hell. House of Hell. That is awesome. And there was a banned picture in House of Hell as well. Uh-huh. Uh, they had to edit it because there was too much nudity in it. <laughs> really? All right, then. Let's have a look. See if we I'll can try get find the one from YouTube or uh, something. I'm surprised I haven't got it bookmarked. Uh, oh, there's. Uh, I mean, straight away, there's getting, a, um... a woman getting sacrificed in it, and it's a little bit risque. But it was more risque Voodoo doll. before they edited it. Okay, have a look, Voodoo doll. Oh yeah, that. Oh, that's the Wizard Edition. So that actually, that'll be the same. They didn't change the internal illustrations for the Wizard Editions. Oh, okay. Uh, but there is a sacrificed woman. Even find it now. Um, oh, there's a there's a woman hanging. This is a quite a good illustration, actually. Oh. That's quite good. Oh, I can't find it now, but um, 
House of Hell actually is one of my favourite books. I, I don't know if you played it, but it's so difficult. I've never got out of that house. Oh, really? Do you draw the maps for it as well? Because you I... you have to, I think, with certain ones, and House of Hell is one of them. Um, an interesting fact. So obviously, House of Hell was originally released in like it must be about nineteen eighty four. See how good I guess I am about that one. Is the first published in nineteen eighty four. Boom. Um, so in 1984, this book was a lot of controversy around it, and parents were like banning their kids from it, saying, "Oh my God, it's it's satanic, um, it's evil, and it's influencing our kids to get into Satanism somehow." Um, but there's a lot of the rumors, just like, just like all the good heavy metal bands. Exactly, yeah, you know it. But it's like <laughs> all the rooms in there. There there's certain rooms that are named after like demons and things like that. There's a Diablo room and stuff like that. Cool. Um, and that caused a bit of a fuss at me because I wanted like these books banned, but that just made kids want it even more. Um, but yeah, I... like I say, the both the books we just looked at, so Warlock of Fire Top Mountain was written by both Steve Jackson and Ian Livingstone. Um, they wrote it together, and then they've obviously created the series. Then they went and did their own ones. So House of Hell is by Steve Jackson, who I met quite recently. I, I said to him, like, I'm still trapped in the House of Hell. I never got out of it. <laughs> and then he didn't reveal the secret and you were like come on <laughs> no, he told me a cheat he said there's solutions on the internet i said <laughs> i'll do that yeah um, but yeah I, I i am impressed that you've you've got a nice collection of fighting fantasy there um i mean forest of doom was always ian mccraig did the art to this one the cover work and that is just a one of the best cover artworks for the original series. Yeah. Um, Forest of Doom. It's a good book. It's one of my favourite ones. I think it's one of my favourite ones because it's not too difficult to actually complete that one. Yeah, you see, oh, come on. my That that edition's a much better, much better rendition. You know what it's like? It's a bit like comparing um, Mumra to Skeletor. The yeah. Mumra is like ultimately scary, and then Skeletor is a bit of a bit of a joke, really. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I was really into these in the eighties, and then obviously as I got better computers, I kind of moved on to other things. Um, and now I've got really better computers than what I had back in the eighties. I've got back into them, which is ironic. Um, did you used to play them much in the eighties? Um, I didn't discover them until. I was probably about 14, 15 years old. And only because a friend had one at home. Or he might have had a few, but I saw one. I was like, what's this? And then um, I've probably, I mean, these, I bought these several years ago, but I've probably got some old, really old ones somewhere um, from when I was a kid. But Actually, yeah. Um, maybe we should explain what they are to people that might not know what they, what they actually yeah, do. Yeah, good, good idea. Basically, um, a choose your own adventure story. Um, so there's like a 400 paragraphs and you'll come to a junction. If you turn east, turn to paragraph 20. If you turn west, turn to paragraph 30 or whatever. Um, yeah. So, and then you work your way through the book, choosing, making decisions 
and you could go one direction that could be a, a, an easy path or another one that would be like a really difficult path with loads of monsters to fight and you'd roll dice to fight the monsters and things you'd uh, have your skill attributes of skill stamina luck and things like that yeah, um yeah. And they're predominantly fantasy books, but you do get some science fiction ones. Like there's a few sci-fi ones, Starship Traveller, um, Rings of Kether, and things like that. They're set in the future. Uh, they're quite cool because, like, this is uh, well, the Warlock at Firetop Mountain. You've got um, it starts off with a bit of a story, um, and it's always told as um, in what, what's the what's the I should know this. What's the well, it's uh, not a first person. It's like a you are walking along what would you it's not first yeah. at last your two-day oh. hike is over do you know what i mean yeah. and then yeah and then when you get to the end of um, each paragraph it's like um it says you set off into the cave after a few yards you arrive at a junction will you turn west turn to page 71 or turn to number 71 um or east turn to 278 and the beauty of all this is that it's all the whole story is muddled up throughout the whole thing. So you can't really cheat, can you? Well, I mean, the only way you can cheat is you get to a place, you fight the monster, you roll something, you lose. You're like, damn, I'm dead. You go, all right, then I'll just restart it. <laughs> it's the, uh, the authors of these books called it the five-fingered bookmark. So people would have like several <laughs> pages. Yeah. Um, oh, right. you died. Oh, no, I'll just go back and make the different choice to that one. <laughs> it's like a safe game in computer yeah. games really yeah um but warlock of firetop mountain i i completed it only recently it's so i don't know if you've actually played all the way through um but they've got this thing in it where there's a, a maze in it that's really hard to get through but the the object of it, you've got to collect these keys you need to get three keys to open the chest at the end and each key has a number so you get the, the three keys and you can't cheat to say yeah, yeah i've got the three keys because you have to each number on the key is the paragraph that you have to turn to to unlock that chest <laughs> so you have never got those keys you're never going to unlock that chest yeah yeah never start back in the day. i've got a, i've got a book somewhere um just like a notebook where i've drawn um probably most of the map out for this and another yeah, i'm sure there's, they're huge yeah they're massive i just like if actually if you drew it on squared paper that would probably work quite well yeah but lots of dead ends and um, in fact, I should have checked this out before uh, before uh, we came on here because the um, these books of um, I think they're new stories actually. But uh, I'm just going to quickly double check. Um, they brought out an app or a few apps actually. I think there might be three or four. Pinman Games. Yes. Um... Hold on, I'm just going to find out what they're called now. I've got them. They're they're basically the fight and fantasy app. It's these books that they're putting onto apps. They're really good. Um, so they record all your stats. They roll your dice for you. They're really cool. But they've actually got a lot of the original games on there. But interestingly enough, the they originally were asked to write a book to introduce people to Dungeons and Dragons to show people how to play. And they've gone, well, why don't we just make an actual game in the book? Yeah. And that's how it all started. And then the two, Ian Lindsay and Steve Jackson, they 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 were co-founders of Games Workshop, um, which we know and hate today <laughs> as being annoying little miniatures that 
you just that's all they sell that costs you a fortune. Um, but back in the day, they sold all sorts of games like D&D. They were the original people that brought D&D to the UK and they had the exclusive license in like 1975, year on my birth. Um, and interestingly, last year, it was the 40th anniversary of the Fight and Fantasy books. So to commemorate it, Ian Livingstone wrote a new Fight and Fantasy book. Um, so this is like a very a limited to something like 300 you can, or 500 of these. Um, and I managed to get one actually signed by him as well. Awesome. What's that called? The Shadow of the Giants. Shadow of the Giants. It's um, and it's gone back to like the old school artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'll just show, I'll just show like, you that app. Look, you've got a uh, sorcery. Oh, um, sorcery! That's it. That is all right. So, sorcery. There's three of them. We have here. Uh, Steve Jackson's Sorcery. It's a four books in that series, um, and it's all one long story. So the idea is you've got to travel out and recover this stolen crown of kings from this evil mage. And then the first book, you go through like the countryside, the Shamanti Hills, and then you fight your way through there. And then the next book will be uh, Car City Port of Traps. And it's this massive city you've got to work your way through to continue your quest. Um, and they all build up to one character while working all the walking all the way through it. Epic, absolutely epic. Um, considered some of the most classics in that whole sort of game book series. Um, there's only one book similar to that, and that is Lone Wolf. I don't know if you've ever heard of Lone Wolf. No. So they've started to reissue the Lone Wolf books. That's the one I'm currently playing. So, um, yeah, I've just got back into the Lone Wolf books. So they were originally released in, like, 1984 again, and they were one of the most popular um, role-play choose-your-own-adventure series since Fighting Fantasy. And there's something like 30 books that were done in this saga, and it's one long continuing story where it follows you are, like, Lone Wolf, the last of the Kai um, monks that are meant to defend the land from the Dark Lords. And you're the lone survivor. And so each book, you've got a quest to do. And then you can build up your character through each book. And you get more powerful as you go through each book. So each book can be done as a standalone quest or taken as a whole. Um, So they did something like 30 of them, but they never did the last two. And then fairly recently, the writer, Joe Diva, he died. Um, but his son has actually started to republish these books because some of them are really hard to come by. Um, so they're doing like these hardback ed- plush editions with like, you get like a, sounds like an advert here, but you get like a full fold out colour map of the land. Oh, nice. Um, hey, remember last week? Like... Oh, sorry, I was going to say, remember last week when we were talking about um, uh, f- needing physical things? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. This is why. <laughs> How good is that? Yeah, it, it, it's awesome. Um, the books are like they're £20 for each book and you can get them online. And I, I, if you like game books, they're very fast-paced compared to the fighting fantasy, I find. And it's not like, oh, I've died, I've got to restart. It kind of it lets you just go through it in different paths and things. And the two books I've just literally done back-to-back I, I completed them and got really far through them without any real problems. Um, so it wasn't frustratingly difficult. So highly recommend Lone Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those, 
that are interested in fighting fantasy. They're just re-releasing this book again. Um, so I've just backed a Kickstarter, and it's basically the entire history of fighting fantasy books. Um, it's really well illustrated. It just goes through like all the artwork, mm -hmm. all the different books, the plots. That's awesome. stunning art. I think as you as an artist, I think you'd appreciate it because some of the artists, they've had some massive big art uh, artists working for these for these game books like uh john blanche he did like the the illustrations for uh the sorcery series and uh, no one else knows who this is but i met right there so i met like uh gary chalk who gave me his little autograph he cool. wrote the or he drew the illustrations to the lone wolf books but he also did the artwork for the original Talisman game. I don't know if you've ever heard of Talisman. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, so, yeah, he's like a, a really old, nice guy now, though. But some of the artwork that he does is is phenomenal. Well, this so the good thing about these, um, like Choose Your Own Adventure type books, is um, anyone can pick them up and do them. Whereas, like you mentioned earlier about like um, Dungeons and Dragons, and I remember... I bought um I bought a lot of stuff uh still in the loft and I've never actually used it ever but I bought a lot of Warhammer forty thousand. What's this? Oh, Dracula! This is a Dracula, um, choose your own adventure story, oh, where you can awesome. play as either Dracula himself, Jonathan Harkin, or another character. I can't remember who that one is. That is cool. But it's a lovely presentation as well. Yeah. Was that a Kickstarter? Uh, uh, no, uh, it was actually, um, it's a newish book by Jonathan Green, who did a few of the older um, fighting fantasy books. But I actually, it's hard to get this edition, but I got it at the fighting fantasy festival. Mm -hmm. um, he actually signed it for me as well. Yes. Look at that. I was quite pleased with that. So, so you were talking about, uh, Warhammer, wasn't it? Or yeah, Warhammer. those, those yeah. kinds of games. I know they're slightly different, but there's the same kind of premise that they're using um, dice to to roll chance and all that. And um, but yeah, anyone can pick up one of these books. But I'll, I just want to show you something as well that um, the newer type books are kind of there's there's a lot of sort of different types of things that can come up. But look what I got. Labyrinth. <laughs> is that your own adventure labyrinth by any chance? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. If you oh, is that new or is that? Old? Oh. I've I've had it I've had it for about two years. Um, I, I didn't it... even know that was a thing. Can you yeah, get it on Amazon? Hold on a sec, cause uh, I'm being oh, careful with it, right? Sarah. Because if you look there, look, it's a labyrinth. Oh yeah. <laughs> and if you go into the book, there's a little bit cut out here for the dice. <laughs> I need this in my life. <laughs> um, I think I bought it from Etsy. Uh. And there are there are, um, maybe not Etsy. I'll, uh, anyway, it's, uh, the Labyrinth Adventure game. Um, who who actually made yeah, this? A guy called uh, a guy called uh, Ben Milton and Jack Caesar. I've never heard of either of those. They put this together. I need that in my life. <laughs> See, <laughs> very materialistic. Oh look, there's, I had a massive a couple crush of, on couple of, Sarah of pictures from the on film. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. You know what, right? Um, well, as a kid, 
I really loved the labyrinth, right? But then there was one bit of it which I always thought was like just rubbish. And even the end, I was kind of like, huh? Um, and it was the bit where uh obviously David Bowie just sings and stuff through it, doesn't he? But it's the bit where she goes into a bit of a dream world and she starts dancing, there's this ball and everyone's wearing masks and stuff. Oh yeah, creepy bit, yeah. Yeah. And I watched it with <laughs> I watched it with me kid. It's really funny because um me little in, he was I think he might have been four at the time and right at the very beginning there's the owl and he flaps through this owl flaps through um uh, the windows um before david bowie appears and um and, and me little in was going oh it's scary it's scary <laughs> but he didn't find anything else scary but this look this is a bit of a dedication to the to the movie as well it's got loads of cool pictures in from the from the film do you, do you get to visit the bog of eternal stench? <laughs> I don't know yet. Like I said, I'm played. Otherwise known as my bathroom. <laughs> yeah. So um. Anyway, you, um, me and you have to play this gonna, at some point. I'm going to ruin Labyrinth for you a little bit. There is a theory out there that says what Labyrinth is really about is the fact that the girl oh, no. has been sexually oh, no. abused. And oh, she's no. got this elaborate fantasy world. And in the end, she sort of says to him something along the lines of, I no longer have to fear you or something like that. She says, you have no control over me. Abuse. Yeah, she's... you have no control over me. That was it. Um, and it's the idea that she's saying that to her abuser, you no longer have control over me. So that's made a nice kids film dark. <laughs> I think that you're a bit like the magic roundabout, right? There's, there's a, a theory around it. There's a myth around it, right? And people just believe it. But that's in wrong. actual fact, what actually happened was they just made a thing, didn't they? And then it was later that people started looking deeply into it and making their own mind up about it. Um, but explain to me then, uh, Captain Pugwash, Master Bates and Roger the Cabin Boy. <laughs> I don't know. I, d I do not know. They were I think... having a laugh with us back <laughs> They were having a laugh on there. Anyway, there were other types of books as well. I've got this one. This is a Kickstarter one. Merc. I haven't even played this yet either. I haven't had time. But um, this one's quite cool. Um, if it's kind of you, if it's another one where you kind of just follow it. It's a game that you follow. Oh. 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 And I'm dropping things. I've got a nice um book marker and a sticker. But yeah. And there's some really cool um, illustrations in this as well. One I'll just flip through because each each part of it is like you have reached you have reached the corner of the um, of the open expanse, the cavern wall that joins masonry blocks. There is a column of bricks before you, and then they, you use the dice to to work out what you're going to do next. Oh, oh, I'm not even seeing that one. And this I'm looks all, really I'm good. I'll, I'll read. Yeah, that does look actually quite interesting. But I'm more intrigued by the the, the labyrinth one at the moment. I have well. To... Talking about Labyrinth. Last week, I think it was last week, I mentioned to you about the game Labyrinth. And here yeah. it is. Doo, doo, doo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, is that actually affiliated to the actual film? I don't think it is, is it? No, I don't think so. But that's the game there. You can see there it's um, it's a lot of little... That is of... so basic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But all you do is push them up. So you'll go here and you'll push that up and then sort of replace it but you, you what you're doing is you're making little paths for yourself so you can collect a ring or you, or whatever you need to collect there's a moth or a crown um it's a really fun game and fun for kids too <laughs> yeah see i like you know me i like my board gaming um mm -hmm. i bought a board game the other day like 100 pounds it cost called mage night uh, i swear 
I was learning the rules for it for like two days of solid learning how to play the game. And there's still yeah. bits I haven't learned because you can solo play it as well. Um, yeah, this is the problem with a lot of these games. Something else I want to show you as well. I don't know if you ever remembered this or, but I have, I've got two of them actually, but, um, and this is, I've got, there's a big sort of thing. This is the ancestral trail. Yeah. Oh my God. That remember this. Right, I never collected them all like you did, but I remember I might have got one or two issues of it. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I I had that one. I remember <laughs> the covers. Well, you know, the what weird thing about... about I can't remember anything about them. Oh, so the, it was basically a kid. Um, where is he? Um, a kid kind of fell into this ancestral world, and then it's a story about that. Um, so it's basically... It's, it's two things. It's a game and a story. So you've got... Your story um, that you read each, every fortnight a new one came out. Um, and with it, you got um, some cards and in the back, um, you could cut bits out. So in the oh, back here, you've got kind of, it kind of opens out like this. And you can play, um, you can play a game so you can cut these bits out and piece them together. Um and yeah, these are kind of card. You can cut these cards out and stuff as well. But um, yeah, you can play another a game. I've never ever played it. I don't think I got into that one. I think I might have been a bit. I got it because I was into the game books and that. But I was like, I think I remember thinking maybe it was a bit too boring for me at the time, or too childish for me at that point. Maybe. I was probably like fifteen. So, see, I was um, I was a bit younger when I when I first. Yeah. I, I think I was I was probably nine or ten. Yeah, probably the right age for it. But yeah. I, at that age, I started to, I started to um, buy computer games. I would like save my money up for our computer games that I'd want to buy from Commodore sixty four. Yeah. Um, well, well, something interesting actually about this cover here. Um, I remember when when I, I remember this cover as, um, not a furry little creature like this, but exactly the same creature without fur. See how he's quite furry. Yeah. <laughs> and. And um, so I've always thought like, that's oh, hold on a minute, oh my god, I've just realised, right, this is mad, right? So, like I was saying, this creature here has got fur. The one I always remember didn't have fur, and I always wondered about it. And I've like, like I've read bits on like online um, with other people saying the same thing, and I thought, is this one of these things, right, where everyone has this weird memory of something that that isn't so. But, Mandela effect. Yeah, but literally just now, what I've just seen right on the back of issue one is it's got no fur. He's got no fur. Proof. Oh. <laughs> this is proof that what I remembered is real, is true. They changed the art, didn't they? At the last minute. So why is that then? That's really weird. I wonder if I wonder if you can still get this version here. There must be. I mean, maybe this is. Uh, Ah right, so so this is the UK version. No, they're both UK versions. They're both all the same. I don't know. I was thinking for a second there that maybe it could be like different parts of the world. Maybe the American version had different, but they've both got exactly the same thing written on the bottom. Made for UK, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Malaysia, Malta. Do you have the so, whole set? Yeah, I've got this one. So I this bet is there are a lot on eBay. Um, I don't know. Maybe so. There's twenty. Have a look uh, later. Twenty six. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, so there's 26 in this series. So this is like season one. And then let me just. And you've get got like here. the box for it and everything. Yeah. Uh, sh- you know what? I'm going to guess now that I reckon if you was to look on eBay, £200. This is the futuristic bit. I don't think people kind of like this as much, but this but is when it goes into the future. I'm going to eBay it now for you. I reckon £200 for a complete set, if you can even find that on eBay. I'm not selling it, but let me just get the let me just get the big uh, the bit that it like so episode one came with a, a much bigger thing, <clears throat> and here it is. Okay, so obviously this is like the American version because I couldn't find it. I did buy this ages and ages ago, but here it is. Here's what you got. Issue I remember one. that. Yes, yeah. I I bought that. I really remember that. Yeah, and I'm oh my god, I haven't seen them for years, <laughs> and it's all come back. Hold on, oh, I'm gonna end up ripping it now, aren't I? Don't rip it. <laughs> god, hold on. Well, they okay, they seem to about okay. 70. Oh, so quite 120 pounds as one on offer on eBay for, for a full set. I remember that. Not I just even... think I think that came must have what nineteen ninety ish. Yeah. Yeah, you see, it was. Here's the thing: I think at the tail end of, of fighting fantasy Aha. popularity. So oh, this is the bit where you, kids. Yeah, you cut the you cut the bits out the the little bits of map that you saw in the back, and this is where you place them, and then you can play a game. But in a way, you don't really want to ruin the um the magazines, do you, by cutting them all out? <laughs> I think you should do a separate YouTube channel on that series. What, the whole I thing? Just read through um, it. And that, it, the fact that when you held them up, I instantly remembered going into the shop and buying it. And I remember the fact that, if my memory serves right, it had a very glossy cover. Very, very, like, almost a hard, plasticky cover to it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this is cool. Yeah, oh man, keep hold of those. But 120 <laughs> quid, they seem to get them on eBay. But I don't know how complete that one is, so we'll do some research into that. That's and, cheap. And, uh, yeah, um, well, I, I'm surprised. I would say for that sort of collection, 120 pounds. But your problem is, I think it's because it came out at the point where people had lost interest in that sort of stuff, and I was waning interest in it um, because I got into computer games, so that might not have have the mass nostalgia as what the other books would have. But yeah, I've got some very, I bet you didn't know about this one. This is very interesting. Have you ever seen these? Asterix. Yeah. Yeah. An adventure game book. Oh, not adventure game book. Of course we're talking about adventure game book. No, I've only ever seen comics. You get like um, a little pack with it, with all like these, like you get like the map to work out how to get around the world. Oh, cool. Scrolls to work out codes, translation scrolls. Oh, this is awesome. Um, I was really heavily into Asterix at the time as well. I like game books. Synergy. Yes. Well, when I was in uh, primary school, you would be given this task of like, um, they had this, my primary school was kind of an old kind of building and they had a tiny little library which I used to love, right? Because you'd have to go up these like crickety stairs to get to it. Um, and it was just this little room, it like up the top of the middle of 
the school sort of thing. Um, and every so often you'd be get, you'd be given the task of being the librarian. So you'd have to spend. I don't think they would do this anymore, but you'd have to spend like an hour in there by yourself. <laughs> and if anyone came up for some books, you would just find it for them. So um, bit of a weird task, but there you go. And um, but yeah, they had Asterix comics in there, but <laughs> it was like in um, uh, what's the original uh, uh language of Asterix? Um. Was it French? Is it? Oh, okay. I didn't know that. But um, yeah, they were all in at the time a different language. I didn't didn't know it was French actually. But uh, so yeah, so I used to get them and go oh, and then they weren't in English. That was weird. Oh. <laughs> so you learned like French just to read an asterisk. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you reminded me about libraries and game books. So I remember I used to always go to the library in the local town I lived, and I remember having the child's card. So I could only get books out of the children's section, right? Mm -hmm. But I was really into fighting fantasy and I had a teenage section just outside the children's section. And I, I went out, I wanted to get that book out. It was that that not that actual edition, <laughs> but that was the like the copy. How's that? Uh -huh. And then the librarian wouldn't let me have it. He said, You've only got a child's ticket to get books out. You can't take <laughs> that one out. I'm like you know what I used to do. Imagine it. You, if if a child is mature enough to want to get a book and read a book, you should let them. Yeah, unless it's like pornographic. <laughs> well, you should definitely let them in that case. <laughs> when well, I used to do when I was a kid, right? I'd go to the library <laughs> and um, clean. <laughs> I would, I'd, no, no, no. I'd, I'd go to the library, right? And I'd pick out some books, and then I'd go and find some other books that I wanted. And because you were only limited to so many books to scan um they would uh i would just steal them so but to begin with what i got oh, quickly oh. realized right was <laughs> what i quickly realized was to begin with i just put more some in my bag and then booked some out and then but then they put new buzzers new sensors in there so i remember walking through and it went beep beep and, then, and she was like have you got any books in your bag and i'm like um oh <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was putting them in my bag. So, like, you know, I could just, like, bring them to the front. You know, you're just talking rubbish as a kid. Like, yeah. And then, um, so then <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. So she's like, oh, okay, you can only have this many books. I'm like, all right, then. So um, after that, <laughs> I started finding a book that I really wanted, right? And, oh man, there's too many. So I'd um I'd end up just ripping the back out of them because <laughs> they had the stickers on, which which caused the sensor to go off. Oh, criminal damage! And how death. bad is that? How bad is that? That's what you do when you're kids. So didn't you? You're like, I need this. I need this book. That's how much I love books. Oh, but it's a, it's a healthy crime. Yeah, a lot of them were Stephen King books as well. But um, and then I ended up not reading them all. That's about a heavy bag then, if they're Stephen King books. <laughs> hey, Kev, what, what was your nickname? Because I'm thinking I'm like half a book Steve. <laughs> when, what was, what half was book you... Steve. <laughs> My nickname was Half Meg Kev. Oh, Half Meg Kev, that was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone else had like one megabytes in their Amigas, and I only had a half megabyte. Yeah. So they thought it was funny that I couldn't afford one megabyte. <laughs> Now I've got all the megabytes I need. <laughs> you call me full meg, Kev. Uh, so, yeah, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I haven't really got any... Oh, this is slightly off topic, right? But what I do have in here, and I'm going to um, transfer them to, like, I'm going to digitise them, is 
uh, I don't know where the, the first one is, but I've got the the old The Hobbit and The Return of the King. And I do have um, the other one. You know, the. Are they the, um, are they the Baskin um, cartoons? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've got I've got The Hobbit on um, my media server. Mm-hmm. It's actually better than a Peter Jackson Hobbit. Well, I loved the. Where is it? Great um, adventure is waiting for you, lad. Well, yeah, this is that that yeah they do funny singing in the don't they? Yeah. But I, I the first one I ever saw was the one where it just kind of ends um halfway through. Oh, the and... um Ralph Bakishi version. Um, no, um, was it the, the cartoony one? But it was kind of really cool cartoony style. The one where the rotoscoping and they had like live action traced over. Yes, stuff like yeah. Ralph Bakishi version in like nineteen eighty, I think that one was. Yeah, they they made it. It was always intended to be part one, but they dropped the part one tag. They ran out of money because it went way over budget and couldn't afford to do part two. Yeah. So, I mean. That was I remember watching that to death as a, as a kid as well. I yeah. loved it. No, I just loved it as well. The ring. That was the best bit for me. I was like, "This is awesome." But, but there's some really funny bits in that as well. Like they have the they had live actors and they drew over the live actors, right? So the character or the actor playing Aragorn, he's running along, and they actually instead of cutting it. He trips over the hilt of his sword and falls over onto the ground. <laughs> they animated it. Yeah, like that's. But that isn't that uh, what makes all the films so special. You get like mistakes in there, and not just like the mistake of a coffee cup on like placed in some like um on the set of something that wasn't supposed yeah, to be there. I but, get that, but you've actually gone to the effort to animate an actor yeah. over. But the funny <laughs> thing about that Lord of the Rings film is they've decided all. Saruman and Sauron, they sound too similar. Mm-hmm. Change Saruman and call him Araman. Okay, so they call uh, him Araman for half the film. Forget that they were meant to be calling him Araman the and then way. start calling him Saruman again. I've never noticed that. That's all. <laughs> I actually agree with that change, though, because... Um, you, are, no, 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 no. you can't change Tolkien. No, but I, that I always did get mixed up. Because, um, because I'm not into it. That I mean, I I read the books and everything, but he, I still got confused. And um, I th- I think it's a, it's an important sort of if you're going to change anything about a book, that would be an okay change in my view. Uh, I can hear Amazon ringing your phone, asking you to write <laughs> the next series of The Rings of Power. <laughs> I'm going to change everyone's name. Pants. <laughs> absolute pants and to the fact that i now actually honestly believe that that rings of power was written by ai it's that ludicrous yeah we've gone off topic games books haven't we again yeah but uh we need to make time to play more game books that is that's the moral of the story well i i I literally am and it's quite funny because (laughs) i even bought this little notebook thing Ah, so that I could like cool. write out my stats of my game books that I'm playing. <laughs> yes. Like as I go along and make notes. Yeah. Those have actually been quite enjoyable. Um been really getting into them. Uh but the one last thing I do want to show is yeah. so Dice Men, this was I backed it on a Kickstarter thing, and it actually 
it's again it, it was signed by uh Steve Jackson and Ian Livingstone mm-hmm. um because I backed it but basically it's the history of them co-founding games workshop uh it's a, if a really interesting thing they were like penniless people the these two guys working from a bedroom <laughs> who just left university decided to make a, a gaming company up through mail order somehow blagged the exclusive distribution rights for dungeons and dragons which no one was really interested in at the time <laughs> um and then obviously that just made them millions and the funny thing is they talk about why they created warhammer 40k mm-hmm. which you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. Um, so what they used to do, they used to have a model maker that would make like little miniatures for Dungeons and Dragons games. So little metal miniatures that people could use in their Dungeons and Dragons. I thought, how can we get people buying like them in bulk rather than selling them individually? So they created a game where you'd have to buy whole armies and things to sell these figures. Yeah. And thus a massive industry is born. Yeah. It just shows you though, doesn't it? The st- I think it's about the story. Story is all important, isn't it? I mean, I mean, you could say that the Games Workshop stuff is more kind of um, it's still about story, isn't it? It's the gameplay. You, you, you're creating something. Yeah, new. you see, I like the what I I'm not a very good modeler and I'm not very good at painting the miniatures. If I get a Games Workshop game or a Warhammer game, I will just play the game. But no, I've got to sit there cutting them out, gluing them together. I'm not in. I just want to play the game. Yeah. They a don't cater to that. A lot of people play the um uh with the the cards instead of um. They're still called miniatures, aren't they? But they're just miniature drawings, cards instead of an actual uh figure figurette figurine. I don't know what you call figurine. them. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and that that seems that seems probably um easier because you can um there are people on patreon uh who create these like new characters all the time and you can just download like if you subscribe um to them then you can download their um weekly sheets and make them yourself print them i've off, always thought yourself. what a good idea for a game would be to use your cardboard counters with all your stats of your army on there and you just filled the cardboard and in fact my mate he's just bought Battles of Normandy, I think it is. It's like a World War Two war game that has that exact same feature. So your tank is a picture of a tank, and on the back, the statistics of that tank, and you move the cardboard around. It's actually, if you're not into your modeling or anything and just want a game, I think that's the way forward. Yeah. But then I like the models as well. So I play a lot of God Tier. They're molded, pre made miniatures for the game. You just literally pick them out of the box and play. So I like that. I don't have to sit around gluing them and fiddle around ages with them. Yeah. But they're trying to appeal to the modeler and the gamer at the same time. Mm-hmm. And plus yeah. you want to show them off as well. If you spent the time painting them, you want to go to the games workshop, don't you? And have some, have some public games instead yeah. of, you know, so it's all, it's all well and good just displaying them in your, in your little, in your house, in your little cabinet or whatever. It's another thing taking them to a to a place and going, look at what I painted. And people going, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, um, physical so things. You see, it's uh, oh god, I could go on all day about game books, couldn't I? Uh, oh, one more thing. Yeah, this is work. This is an unusual game book, Fabled Lands. Uh-huh. Um, you basically there's no actual storyline or quests. You're just basically wandering around the land 
doing different quests and things that you pick up to build your wealth up. And there's a series of books of them and you can build your own little city. You can explore from there, go back to the city, return back to the locations in older books. Um, really interesting stuff. Uh, so fake lands. That, I'm going to have a look at that because that it sounds almost impossible, doesn't it? How do you write a book that is so, I don't know what's the word, versatile <laughs> that you can... It uses codes and different paragraphs. Like if you visited this location before, if you have the code such and such, then um, ignore the first part of this paragraph. So oh. if you visited there before, you pick up a code or something. And yeah, but it's a it's a clever technique. It's quite an old. I think it's a '90s series originally by Dave Morris. Um, oh, some of the classics. Well, I think at some point we're going to have to finish our Dust to Dawn game and then oh, yeah. then we could play it right here, yeah. right now. <laughs> we could be the next entrepreneurs and big in the gaming circles. That'd be good. Yeah. I could show you so much. In my other room, I've got even more action going on. That sounds <laughs> wrong. I've got like my collection of Proteus magazines, which is like an adventure magazine series. Yes. Warlock magazines, which is based on the, the fighting fantasy series. Yeah. Uh, all sorts of stuff. But I'm like a kid with all my toys, showing you all my toys. But yeah, I quite like this. Do you think the viewers will like this? Hopefully. Do you think they'll like my TARDIS? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's awesome. If you can... You need to make one, right, that you can step inside. Oh, it's my dream. Fold out. Do you know what's, like, just holding me back from doing that? What? A lack of ability. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do stuff. <laughs> I can... pay people to do things for me. <laughs> That's how the world works. <laughs> it's like lost knowledge. Like, no one knows how the pyramids were built. Like, no one knows how to do carpentry anymore. Somebody knows how to make how to use a box to create a TARDIS. How do you do this? Yeah, you'd have to spend time painting it and stuff. It'd just be awesome, right? If you could just like uh on the next podcast you just step out of it. Hey guys, I was just in the TARDIS. Uh, the thing is I'd have to step from around it because it doesn't actually open the doors. Yeah. You could I say I would ruin it because I'd be like getting a standing knife and cutting down it to make the doors. I mean like <laughs> I'll get oh, some bookshelves or something up in the future episodes. Yeah, yeah. Or some pictures. Well, on that note, on that note, you've been you've been listening to Kevin Steve. Um, follow us or check us out on Apple, Spotify, Audible, Overcast, YouTube, Rumble. You can find my stuff. Huh? We should have some like a oh, yeah. there. Yeah. Click like, hit the subscribe. Yeah. You can find my stuff at uh, stevesweeney.co.uk and uh, check out my comic book at Brincases. Brincasefiles.co.uk. No, dot com. Brincasefiles.com. That's the one. Are you sure? And, yeah, I'm sure. And <laughs> Kev, anything from you? Uh, KevinGroverFiction.co.uk. Check out his books. Get out. Yeah. I'm not right. cool enough to do that. <laughs> right. See you later. Bye. See you later. <laughs>